0: Surround. rich. Come on, church, lift it up. Sing this with me. You are good in all things per of his goodness in your life. Oh, mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. sometimes. But Lord, you're steadfast and you're strong, Lord. you immovable God. You are always good, no matter what. Lord. So Lord, we come into this place today, Lord, because of how good you are, Lord. Some of us are here to cry out, Lord, from the top of our lungs, how good you are. And some are here, Lord, seeking, are you really good? Let me be the first to tell you, yes, He is that good. So, Father, touch every heart in this place, Lord. Your presence is palpable in this place, Jesus. Ooh. That's my overflow. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for the ability to be in this place, Lord, to exhale, Lord, finally, after such a rough week, and many of us have probably treaded through, Lord, this entire week of a difficult work week or this week at home, week at school, but Lord, let us never forget, Lord, that you were always good, because you're good today, you'll be good tomorrow, Surprise! necessarily have to be in a form of clapping or shouting. He knows your heart. He's reading your heart right now because of your gratitude. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We are grateful, Lord, to be here together, Lord, to say collectively as one body here at New Beginnings, thank you, Jesus. You are good. You will always be good. Thank you, Jesus, for the exhale this morning. Yeah. It's so sweet, Lord, to be in your presence. It is so sweet. The richness of your love, Jesus. Let us never let go of this moment with you, Lord. It's in your name I pray. We pray. Church said amen. And the God good, church. In the sweetness and the richness of his presence. Amen. Give him glory for that this morning. Celebrate that. Yeah. Church, it's a tremendous joy to be here in this place with you and to worship with you. Why don't we greet one another in his name? Amen.
1: Good morning, good morning. Woo! We have a live crowd out here today. Hello, church. How you doing? Good morning. Doing right? Um aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Well, welcome to God's house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes. My name is Roxy de Santiago. It is my honor and privilege to be part of your worship team.
2: And my name is Lena, and I'm so happy to be here with you this morning, Roxy. That's right.
1: What a beautiful
2: time of worship. Welcome oh to those goodness. of you who are watching us online. Welcome.
1: Um, and to any of you who are here for the first time, um, welcome, welcome. Do we have any yes. first-time guests here today?
2: Welcome. And
1: welcome back there. We have three yes. people. Welcome to welcome. New Beginnings Church of God where our goal is to first reach up to Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. to reach out into our church to make sure we are growing in Christ and leaning on one another, and to reach out into our community to make a difference for Christ because that's what we are called to do. Amen? Amen. That's who we are. Amen. Well, church, we've been talking to you guys um, quite often about... Youth Camp, and the reason we're doing that, we're going to do it one more time, is that Youth Camp is important, and probably more than one time if I'm being honest. I'm just going to do it again today, is really what I mean. One more time today. One more time today. (laughs) Um, Youth Camp is so, so important. So, if you, uh, what I want to remind you about today is that if you have a business or you work for a business that you think would like to sponsor a student to go to Youth Camp, the cost for sponsoring one student. Um, that could dramatically change that person's life for the remainder of their life because it will put into them the joy of Jesus Christ and a foundation that they need to live a God-honored and a God-centered life. The cost of that for your business is $204. That's not a lot if you think about what it's going to do in that week, right? Lena,
2: is it going to make a difference? It's going to make a huge impact. Let me tell you, camp camp is such a unique time because it gives you a very focused environment in which you get to have fun but you also get to have fellowship and you get to learn about God with people that are your age you get to learn um without with without distraction i know there's no cell service out there you guys which i know Doesn't for some parents like it's like what what but i promise you it can be a good thing it's good to di- right. to disconnect from that stuff for a while and so Camp is always just such a great life-changing time, and it's always so beautiful. I remember uh, a couple years ago we had an altar call, and all of the students came to the came to the altar and they were praying over each other. And all of the counselors were like trying to find ways to like to squeeze in and try to pray for each other, but no, the students took it they and they it. they ran with it That's and they were the on it, and it does, was beautiful. That's what the presence of God does, right?
1: That's what the presence of God does. So. Amen. Amen. Let's give him praise. Well, if you have a business and you want to sponsor a student, it's $204. Even if you don't have a business and you want to sponsor a student to go to camp, it's $204. If you don't have $204 and you still want to support students going um, to camp, there is the counterculture counter that's right out there. I know. I know. He he bet money that I wouldn't say it, and and now I have to say it. (laughs) It's the Counter Culture Counter. If you need more information, if you want to sign up, if you want to sign uh, your children up, if you want to sign up your neighbor's kids or someone else, or just um, donate and be a, 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 and participate in any way, there's the Counter Culture Counter out there that you can meet with. Um, there's also raffle tickets um, that just started going on sale. The raffle tickets are $20 each. Um, the raffle ticket prize is a grill. Um, It doesn't come with the stuff that you need to cook on the grill. So you have to buy your own meat and hamburgers and whatnot to go on it. Uh, But it is a fantastic grill, and there are other prizes to go with it. So I encourage you to buy that raffle ticket. That's one other way that you can support Youth Camp. Um, We keep pushing Youth Camp because it makes such a difference in our students' lives. Mm -hmm. And um, it's so fundamental and so foundational in their walk with Christ. They deal with a lot them not being out there without um, without um, social media and their phones is probably the best blessing that they can have. <laughs> they can disconnect from that social media yeah. and just learn and hear what God has to say to them mm-hmm. in that moment without being distracted by their phone. So that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, so many other things that are happening in our church. Uh, I encourage you to download that app. Take a look mm-hmm. at our website, our Facebook page. Um, call the front office because, as I said at the beginning, we like to reach out, reach out into our church and out into our community so that there's so many ways for you to grow and learn and be part of it. And um, none of that would be possible without your faithful, faithful giving.
2: That's right. Church, if you have the app downloaded, you know that button right in the center with the little heart to give. We say it every week and it's because we mean it. We would not be able to do this without your faithful giving. And so we appreciate you all. You keep the lights on in the house, and you keep the ministry out in our city, and so we appreciate you so much, and I believe that's all that we have. Thank
1: you so much, church. It's good to see you. God bless you. Turn your attention to the screen.
3: All hope is lost, and it is no longer true that I will live in peace and harmony with my God. It is almost beyond imagining but perfect days of walking with him in paradise are over and now I am destined for days of separation and longing for my true home. My sin is beyond God's grace to forgive. I have come to realize that it is foolish to believe that God could accept me after all that I had done. How can it be? To think that all my prayers went unheard. How foolish it was to believe that he loves me. There is nothing left to do but declare that I am lost without hope and future. And I can no longer believe that I will be restored. When sin came into the world, it brought death. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died in our place, and it brought life. He rose again, and everything turned upside down. I will be restored, and I can no longer believe that I am lost without hope and future, there is nothing left to do but declare that He loves me. How foolish it was to believe that all my prayers went unheard. How can it be to think that God could accept me after all that I had done? I have come to realize that it is foolish to believe that my sin is beyond God's grace to forgive. Days of separation and longing for my true home are over. Now I am destined for perfect days of walking with Him in paradise. It is almost beyond imagining, but I will live in peace and harmony with my God. And it is no longer true that all hope is lost.
4: We have transformation in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's why we get together every Sunday and Wednesday and all throughout the week to celebrate our new life. Amen? Amen. Hey, we have some people that are getting baptized today, and we are so thrilled about that. So if you are getting baptized, please follow Pastor Cindy right through these doors right over here or that door. And, uh, and you're going to be going to your class, take your gear with you, that you're going to be. We're so thrilled for you guys. We're so excited. We can't wait to cheer you all on. This is a great day, guys. I'm telling you, you're going to be walking on air when you leave here today. It's absolutely amazing. Guys, uh, some, some uh, 44 years ago, Uh, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and right after I came to Christ, uh, there was an old man in our church that used to go into jail every Sunday, and um, he gave a testimony, and I I went up to him, and I go, Hermano Maldonado, yo quisiera ir a la carcel contigo. That's what I said, but I'll translate now. I said, Brother Maldonado, I'd love to go to the jail with you if you'd allow me. And he goes, I've been praying for 13 years for someone to come to jail with me. And uh, and we ended up going to the jail, and I ended up taking over the ministry, and it was really awesome. We were, we were baptizing so many people that the jail bought us a little portable baptistry. And uh, it was just an amazing time. And ever since then, I've had a real passion for jail and prison ministry because when I was sitting there listening to the testimonies of those guys that were locked up, I had done a bunch of the stuff they had done to got them into prison. And I realized, wow, I should be locked up. Thank God I'm not. Wow. Because at the time that you're doing it, you don't think it's like bad, bad. That's not enough to get you locked up, but it was. Anyway, uh, when I moved here, I met this guy named Marcel Fallon who is with Prison Fellowship. And that was an organization that has been started by Chuck Colson, who was on staff with Richard Nixon. And uh, it's a prison ministry worldwide. And we are blessed because our congregation has been tapped into them for 35 or 40 years now. We've been journeying together with Angel Tree and other events. But they just started a new ministry that's going to be ministering in the state of New Mexico, And I was sharing in first service that we have a television program that's seen on channel 23 and on, or channel 32 rather, channel 32 and channel 11. And this lady in our church, her son's locked up, and we have, our television show is in every prison in the state of New Mexico. I was able to work that deal out with the prisons of New Mexico, and they now air our program, and not just ours, but Christian Programming. In every prison, well, there's a lady in our church that was talking to her son Wednesday night after church. He called her, and he goes, "What are you doing?" He told. He goes, "I'm watching this dude that I found on television. I really like the way he is. He's a a, this pastor." And she goes, "God, that's so weird. It sounds just like my pastor." And she goes, "What channel are you watching?" He goes, "Channel 11." So she turned it on. She goes, "That's my pastor." and so they were on the phone so now on Wednesday nights after church she leaves here she goes home and he calls her and uh, he's gonna be coming out soon so he'll be able to join us because people that are locked up are gonna come back into our community do you understand that and that's why we're so concerned about that so with us today we have the privilege of having the regional director of prison fellowship he's over Arizona Colorado New Mexico and Hawaii Would you welcome Nathan Hill? Nathan, we always love it when you're here with us, but you're here for for a very specific reason. For the month, for this past month, we've been signing people up that are going to be going into the prisons, but
5: tell us what we're going to be doing there. Well, I, I love to get the church out of the church into prison. It's my heart. We have a special program that Prison Fellowship has authored called The Academy. The Academy is a 12-month program that happens on the inside where we bring curriculum, and our volunteers, the church, uh, ministers that curriculum in small groups for the men and for the women. We've had a one-year course that graduated with the women last October that we're getting ready to relaunch in Grants, New Mexico, and we're getting ready to start with the men in Grants, New Mexico for the very same program. Praise the Lord.
4: So, how do we get involved? What what part, besides prayer, how can we get involved in
5: literally going into the prison? There's a couple of great ways to do that. Uh, for those that feel a call to go in as a regular volunteer, we've got a sign-up uh, table in the back. Just put your name, your telephone number, and your email there. I'll be sure to get a hold of you. Mr. Renee will get a hold of you if possible. Uh, or there's other events that we do that you could come in on a one-time basis. So either or if you've been in prison before, might be still on probation, I need you off of probation at least 2 years. Other than that, anybody that has the desire to volunteer, if you're over 18 with pastor's approval, you can come in.
4: Amen. So guys, I hope you're going to sign up. They're going to have a training right after the service, correct? That's right. In
5: room 102 we'll have a have a training. Yeah.
4: All righty. Well, Nathan, blessings to you and Lord bless this amazing opportunity that we as New Beginnings Church have to go in and help in training and equipping and transforming lives of those incarcerated. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Thank you for being here, my brother. I know you got to go. He already sat through one service. I know I think you have to go get some stuff ready. If you do, you're more than welcome to be dismissed. Guys, and I think we already dismissed our youth, but if not, right across the hall, our youth are meeting right over there in their uh, session. Guys, I, I've been doing this series called Life's Healing Choices. We've been going through the Beatitudes. We've been going through Chapter Five of of Matthew, and we've got to understand that life has a lot of pain in it. Life can be painful, and though Jesus Christ saves us, that doesn't mean we don't have pain. He helps us and gives us the tools to cope with that pain, to overcome that pain, to heal through that pain, and. Regardless of the reason or cause of your pain, God is going to use that for your benefit and for his purpose and to help other people. God never wastes a hurt. He always ministers through that hurt and through that pain. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, we were looking at the Beatitudes, and in verse 9, it says, God blesses those who... Who work for peace, in other words, he blesses the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God, Lord, help us to really grab hold of this, help us to learn how to live it and how to show it. I pray in christ's name, amen. Do you understand that God wants us to be peacemakers? He wants us to be renewed and recovered so that we could help renew and recover other and help them in the book of second Corinthians chapter five, verse nine, Paul the apostle writes, God was in Christ reconciling the world, it says, to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And then he says, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So he wants us to be reconciling people back to God. He wants us to reconcile people back to each other. And it's really important that we do that. The more we heal, the more we can help. And the more we can help, the more we heal. It's amazing. As you find healing, first you think, I can't do that. And then all of a sudden you share your story and you help somebody. And you're like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Then you get stronger and then you help. And then you get stronger and you help. And you go on and on and you really, it it becomes a really powerful tool. And That's why we're looking at this, the last choice of this series is called the sharing choice. And the sharing choice says, I choose to yield myself to God, to be used to bring the good news, the gospel to others by both my example and by my words. St. Francis of Assisi said, share the gospel with everyone and use words if you must. Isn't that awesome? In other words, our lives should be living it and showing it and not be a bunch of hypocrites walking sideways, you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of people that do that. God uses broken people. God uses us in our weaknesses, not in our strengths. If someone gets up and brags about themselves and oh yeah, you know, I did this and I did that, you just kind of tune them out. But when someone gets in front of you and says, I was a wino dino in a dingbat. I was all messed up. I had to go. I went through bankruptcy. I went through a divorce. I murdered a family member. I was raped. I was abused. I, I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. And God robed me up and raised me up and took me out of the ashes. And I'm, I, man, you go, yeah, baby, I can listen to that. Because if God could do that for her, if God could do that for him, he could do it for me. See, there's hope. We offer hope in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2 and through 4. Paul writes and he says, May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And then he goes on to say, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He says he's a source of all comfort. And he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others when, we, uh, when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Thank you, Lord. So see, what he's saying right there is that our greatest ministry will flow out of our pain. And it's really weird because God always seems to put people right in front of you that are all messed up like you were. And you're like, do I really want to talk about I don't know if I want to talk about that part of my life. And he goes, you don't have to. But there they are. I think you ought to open up your mouth. You see, you can understand someone's pain because you've been through it. You don't know exactly what they're going through because everyone is different. But you understand the pain they're experiencing. And you're able to speak to it. You're able to talk about it. You're able to share it. And that's why it's so important. So so then I guess the question we might ask is, well, what can we share to help others? Well, I'm glad you asked. And for those of you at home, thank you for joining us. And and I pray you take some notes with us. But the very first thing we can share is we can share how pain got our attention. Pain has a way of getting our attention. Amen? There's something about it like, oh, my gosh. It's like pain gets our attention in the book of Proverbs chapter 20, verse 3. It says, physical punishment cleanses every evil. Isn't that the truth? When you're going through something, and you're going through some hardcore stuff, I don't know about you, I usually go, oh, God, forgive me if I'm messing up. If I'm doing something wrong, forgive me. Take this pain away from me. Take this, I don't know what's going on, but cleanse me from any evil I might have within me. Such discipline purifies the heart. See, pain has a way of dealing with us. We can change, and we change when we feel the heat, not when we're comfortable. If you're comfortable, you're like, I'm cool, I'm cool, I don't really need that. But man, when you're falling apart and you feel the heat, you're like, (laughs) I need help. I'm falling apart. Sometimes we have to hurt rock bottom to admit that we need help. I don't know why we're like that. Sometimes we we literally get knocked down on our back before we look up. I don't know why we're like that. But you know what? God will use our pain to inspect us, to direct us, to correct us, to perfect us, to get our attention, to really do a work in us. You see, when when we're going through pleasure, God whispers. But I'm telling you, when you're going through pain, God shouts. And you hear his voice loud and clear. But we delay things until they're completely unraveling. I don't know why we're like that. Because I got it. I got it. Never forget it. The old church across the street when we were there. One Sunday morning, we used to do three services back then, and and and, and I had a thread right about here. And it was just a little thread. And I don't know if you've ever seen those old threads. Sometimes you pull them, and it's just a little piece, and then tear it pulls out. And you're like, oh, that's weird. Well, I'm about to pull it, and there was a person next to me, and they go, don't pull that, Pastor, don't pull it. Wait up, I have scissors in my purse. And I go, I got it. I'm in control. That's not a problem. <clears throat> Sounds like us, huh? You got a problem? No, I got it, I got it. I, I I can help you. I got it, I got it. And I pulled it, but it didn't just, it went like, You think I want to stop pulling? I just kept pulling. And it opened up from here all the way down here. And I'm like, oh, I got to get up and preach. Oh, my gosh. So we had stood up for the prayer, and I'm standing up, and I look down, and I go, can you see my leg? They go, no. And I had just got that suit out of the cleaner, so it was nice and pressed, and so... I was like, oh, my gosh. So I preached all three services with my leg there. Now, nobody said they could see it. If they did, they didn't tell me. All I know is I knew I got it. I got it. I got And I said, that'll preach. We're like that. We have a thread sticking out. We have an issue sticking out. We have a problem sticking out. Hey, can I help you with that? Let me cut it off. Let me get you the right help, the proper help, the proper assistance. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. And we're unraveling, and we're falling apart, and then we go, thanks a lot, God. Thanks a lot. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, Paul says, now I'm glad I sent it. Not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants us, His people to have. so you were not harmed uh, so so you were not harmed by us in any way. because sometimes when people push you a little bit, they go, "Let me get you help." then uh, That's why you know what? If someone's not ready, they're not going to get it. You could drag them here. You could bring them here. You're going into that program. And, and they don't make it. But when you volunteer and finally surrender and say, I'm not going to pull the thread of my life. Lord, get your scissors out. Cut away. Take away what you need to. So to help others in what we share, we have to be like Paul and be honest about it. Be honest about, first of all, your feelings. Be honest about your feelings. In First Corinthians chapter six, verse eleven, he says, "Oh, dear Christian friends, we have spoken honestly with you, and our hearts are open to you." He's saying, "I'm telling you how I feel. I'm being honest." Also about our faults. Some people act like we never have a problem. We never have a problem. We never have it. I. I. It's not my fault. I might have an anger. I might have blown up, but you made me do it. No, you took, take responsibility for what you did. They might have pushed your buttons, but you chose to react. Learn to calm down. Learn to calm down. We never want to take the uh, the blame of anything. 2 Corinthians 6, 5 says, For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Did you hear that? Someone, someone was about to relapse the other day, and they said, uh, it's all my spouse's fault. I've been clean for this long. Somebody texted me the other day, and they said, oh, my gosh, my wife says I keep pushing her buttons. It's just I'm trying to find mute. <laughs> That's messed up, huh? Men, shut up right now. Don't say, ha, 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 don't. Just hold it in and say, God, that was a good one. And all the women are saying, oh, yeah, well, what about you, Hunt? Right now, some of you got the mute button and you already muted me. Even though I'm still talking, you shut me out. We also need to be honest about our failures. I'm pretty honest about my life. You guys know all my blunders. I talk about mine and even my families because I want to try to be real. My family's given me permission to do that and I share the things that they've given me permission to do. Because you know what? We've made mistakes. In 1st Timothy chapter 1 verse 15 it says this is a trustworthy saying everyone should accept it that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them, Paul says. Well, so am I. And he also, we need to be honest about our frustrations. Haven't you ever been frustrated? Even with yourself? Romans 7, verse 18 and 19, Paul says, and I know nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. What's wrong with me? Man, I'm messed up. I don't know if you've ever said those words, but I know I have. And then we've got to be honest about our fears. We don't talk about our fears. We don't like to admit we have fears. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20, Paul says, you know what? I'm afraid that when I come to see you guys, he's writing to the Corinthian the church of Corinth. He goes, I'm afraid that I won't like what I find that you won't like my response because I'm afraid that I'm going to find quarreling and jealousy and anger and selfishness and slander and gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. Doesn't it sound like a parent coming home saying, oh, what am I going to find? The kids are fighting, they're jealous, they're, ugh. And you know what? Sometimes it takes us to have to go through pain before we finally get it. Before we finally get it. One such guy is a guy in our church. Pain finally got his attention. And he finally did something about it. This is Doug Bishop Anaya. Would you welcome him today? I've known Doug probably 15 or 20 years. We both ride Harley Davison's. And and, uh, it's really something because um i i always have known him as bishop and uh, one time pastor chris goes uh hey uh i was talking to doug and i go I, I don't know doug he goes yeah dude i was talking to doug he goes doug i go i don't know doug and he's there oh my gosh pastor doug from hell motorcycle ministry i go oh, okay, I know the head guy and I know several of the members, but I don't know Doug. He goes, he is the head guy. I go, you mean Bishop? He goes, yeah. I go, I didn't know his name was Doug for 15 or 18 years that I had known him. I never knew. So I just discovered your name, what, two years ago? So Doug, welcome, brother. May God use you this morning. Thanks, guys.
6: I am a grateful believer who has uh, had victory over alcohol, drugs, anger, rage, violent behavior, womanizing, and abandonment issues. I'm currently in recovery and struggles with pride and lust, and my name is Bishop. Or Doug, or you can call me whatever you want. Um, I was born in Yonkers, New York. I am one of six kids. There was a lot of racism growing up, and I got into so many fights during high school. My dad was an amazing, lovable, and patient man with everyone in church. However, at home, he was very different. We got lots of beatings with electrical cords and belts due to his anger. As I got older, my dad could no longer force me to go to church, so I began to rebel. In CR, I realized I held resentment and made amends with my dad, and we we now take care of our parents. I got involved in the, in the wrong, with the wrong people, and my dad found some of the stuff that I was involved with, like guns and drugs at home. With my three younger siblings at home, he said that he had no other choice, so he kicked me out of the house at the age of 15. I got involved in some harsh, dangerous things in my life, trying to survive in the streets of New York. Being out on my own, I knocked up a girl, and due to the way that I was raised, I felt that I had to do the right thing, so I got married. And now with a baby on the way, I tried to turn my life around and decided to go to seminary school. I completed seminary, and God began to use me. I became a youth pastor and moved my family from New York to New Mexico to provide a better life for them. I continued to follow God and serve him. However, I still struggled with many secret sins. I became involved in motorcycle ministry, like Pastor just said, and I was the president of a motorcycle ministry. We began to feed more than 500 hundred homeless every Saturday night. I was snatching souls. I became so prideful and allowed ministry to take priority. I then allowed the lust to take over, and I began to entertain in phone calls and messages from women and allowed the enemy to blow up my family through my own fault. With adultery, pride, and lust, I went through a divorce after being married for 25 years and losing my three kids, all of those who I thought where my brothers all turned their backs on me. I walked in to celebrate recovery during my divorce at the lowest and loneliest time of my life and began a life of recovery. I was amazed with CR. It felt like how the church really should be, accepting the sinner and the person who had messed up all of us who are misfits. God decided he would give me a chance at life like he did with King David after he sinned. There was a lady that I had met during ministry and and became good friends with her, and I began spending time with her. She had gone through her own divorce. This time around, I had to do things right and keep God in the center. After dating, I proposed to her. Now, me and my fiancé went to CR, and we both worked on ourselves and our recovery. However, there were consequences to my sin and my past. But God allowed me a second chance at joy, peace, and love. CR allowed me to look inside and to work the steps which helped me which helped me um, have a daily and personal relationship with God. During this time, God opened a door for ministry once again. I still did not feel that I was worthy for ministry, but God made it crystal clear that I had been forgiven and that he was putting me back to work again. He opened an opportunity and I was asked to become a chaplain for a 1% motorcycle club and began to evangelize and travel with them across the country. Once again, I began to win souls one at a time. My fiancé and I had our wedding date set and planned, and then we got the Rona. So we both ended up in the hospital. One month before our wedding, I almost didn't make it. We actually ended up getting married in the hospital. And her honeymoon was her nursing me back into life for the next six months. Um, God gave me a second chance and was able to restore me and my joy and happiness. God is doing something amazing in my life now and has allowed me to have a relationship with my middle son. I pray that God will one day restore my relationship with my other two kids, which I miss very much. God has blessed me with two amazing bonus daughters now and a new granddaughter who is like my best friend. God has restored so much in my life, and I know he's not done yet. The Bible says that he will go, in, that we will go into the enemy's camp, and take back everything that he has stolen from us. So, listen to this. This is a Bible verse in one Corinthians one twenty-seven, and it says, "God purposely chose what the world considers nonsense in order to shame the wise, and He chose what the world considers weak in order to shame the powerful. He chose what the world looks down on and despises, and thinks, and thinks it's nothing." in order to destroy what the world thinks is important. This means that no one can boast in God's presence. Whoever wants to boast must boast of what the Lord has done. So, and the way I look at it is, how else would you explain the people that God has used in the Bible? I'm going to leave with one more uh, just quick verse that I love that has changed my life during the darkest time, and it's in 1 Peter 5.10. And it just speaks about, that after we have suffered a little while he will restore support and strengthen you and place you in a firm foundation god's with god's grace god's grace has found both me and my wife two very broken vessels who god is now allowing our hurts not to be wasted he is now using what the enemy meant for destruction to be used for his honor and his glory and has allowed us to become the lead servants Uh, for Celebrate Recovery here at New Beginnings. Thank you for listening.
4: Thank you, gentlemen. And thank you, Bishop, for sharing that. You know, I'm thinking of what you just finished sharing and people that are here and going, man, first of all, man, everyone that's got up there has been real transparent. But... You said pride was something that you were wrestling with. It was something that had really gripped you, and you'd become very prideful. I think that's everyone's story. When did you finally say, enough's enough? I'm not as strong as I think. I need help.
6: Once I messed up and I went through the divorce, I found myself uh, renting a room, um, sitting there alone and knowing that I have blown up my family. And I, I really was thinking of just ending it. Um, and that's when I just cried out to God, and I realized that I had to set my pride aside and just say I messed up and, no. and just allow God just to work, as, work what he does. Yeah,
4: I'm sure glad you did that, and I'm sure glad you're a part of our life. Thank you. For those of you watching online and those of you in this room, some of you might be there. Maybe you just went through a divorce, or your marriage is a mess, or just your life is a mess, and you're sitting in that your lonely room and wondering, do I even matter to anyone? But you do. First and foremost, matter to God. But you definitely matter to us as well. Would you pray for them and pray for those that are distraught and there are some ready to take their life? Would you pray for them?
6: Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. And I am no exception at all whatsoever. You have used so many broken people, misfits, and you have used them and brought them back to be an honor and glory for you. So I ask you, Lord, whoever is watching, whoever is here, and they have felt that way, I ask you that you may just tug at their heart, that they may know that they are loved, that you gave your only son to die for them, and that you are not done with us yet. In the name of Jesus, I pray.
4: I love you, my brother. Thank you so much for sharing. So I'm telling you, the first thing we share is we share how pain got our attention. The second thing that we end up sharing with people and and what we tell them is what we've learned through this process, because we've learned a lot. I hope you've learned something. I hope you're not going to do it again. See, it's wise to learn from your experience, but it's even wiser to learn from someone else's experience. I don't have to hit myself with a hammer to know it hurts. Some people go, well, I, I can't relate. I've never been in prison. I've never done drugs. I've never been an alcoholic. I've never, I've never, I've never. Listen to me. There's two universal languages that I say. The first one is love. You don't even have to speak someone's language to communicate love but pain is also a universal language i don't have to understand their language to see the brokenness and pain in their life and you know what we need to be able to open up our eyes and see that so the first thing we need to to share is that we learned how to depend on god that god will never let you down that when you don't have anything else left but god that god is more than enough that he will see you through paul writes in second corinthians chapter 1 verse 8 through 9 he says We think that you ought to know, my dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. Man, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We're ready to give up. And and we thought that we'd never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. I don't know how we made it, but thank God we made it. Haven't you been there? But as a result... We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises, look what it says, who raised and and he raised the dead. And he, he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We are placed, we have placed our confidence, he says, in him and he will continue he will continue to rescue us. Thank you, Jesus. We've also learned to follow God's word. You know, it's really interesting. People, when they're finally going through just a headache, and they've tried everything, and they finally go, they finally get the word of God, and they go to the word of God as the last resort. The word of God ought to be our first resort. God ought to be our first resort. Why do we go after other things? In Psalm 119, verse 70, 71, 72, it says, my suffering was good for me. For it taught me to pay attention to your decrees, to your word, to your commands. Your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. We also learned that we need other people. We need each other. We're not an island to ourselves. I need you, you need me, we need each other. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 11, he says, but among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men and men are not independent of women. We need each other. There's some that are saying, nope, nope, men over here, women over here, we don't, we don't ever even talk to each other. No, we need each other. I'm not even talking romantically. I'm saying in relationship, we are in need of each other to comfort each other, to minister to each other, to pray with each other, to help each other. And it's important that we do that. But now we live in such a weird world, a confused world, we don't even know what, who's a man anymore, who's a woman anymore. Don't call me a woman, don't call me a man. I'm binary. Can't you see? I, I, I don't know what I see. <laughs> they just passed a legislation in New Mexico. They passed a law that they need to protect women's rights because women nowadays don't know if they're women. And some men think they're women. And some men are saying they're women, but they're not women. And so they're trying to protect what the women have accomplished up to this point in their life. Because they've accomplished so much and they've been given so many rights. But they're saying, you know what, you gave women these rights. And now men want to take advantage of these. But men are saying they're not men, but they are men. So we want to say we're women because they're saying we're not women. So we want to make sure we protect us as women. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. God created us, male and female. That's it. Why do we confuse everything so much? Man. We, it, it's in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, 10, 10, it says, Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Man. And, and it takes me to the third thing we need to share, and we can share to people. We can share that our pain got our attention, and we could pray, share that what we learned in the process, but we also need to share how God can bring good out of bad. He can bring good out of bad. You know, I've, I, I, I meet with the chief of police and his deputy chiefs from time to time and bring them a word, and I've taken different people with me before. I've taken people that were incarcerated and now are serving God and are heading ministries. And you know what? Every time I've taken them, you know what they tell the chief of police and the deputy chiefs? They go, thank you so much for arresting me because you saved my life. And man, when I heard that the first time, I'm going, oh, my gosh. Tomas even said, thank you for not killing me. Because I was so messed up one time, he had a BB gun, but it looked like a real gun. And he pulled the gun out, and they didn't shoot him. They let him surrender, and he said, thank you so much. Do you understand that God brings good out of bad? We've all experienced that at one time or another. We can look over our life and say, God, thank you. You've been so good to me in Romans 8, 28, God says it this way. But we know that God causes everything. What does he cause? What? And what is everything? Everything. The good, bad, and the ugly. Everything. Everything means our mistakes, our failures, our bad things, bad things that we've done, bad things people have done to us. That means everything. God causes everything to work together for the good of those but for everyone, no, to those that love the Lord, that are committed to the Lord, that are serving the Lord, that have surrendered the Lord, that called Jesus Christ God and Lord, and are called according to his purpose for them. So some people are, "Oh mad, oh, got done, done done nothing for me." Well, you're not even serving him. It's like if your kid comes up to me and goes, "Hey, Dad, can you give me five bucks? I'm sorry, I'm not your dad, you're not my son." Go find your own dad because you're not my kid. Now, even though I might not be that kid's biological father, but if I adopt, uh, adopted him, guess what? Now they could say, Hey, dad, can I have five bucks? And I could easily say, No. You know, <laughs> but they could call me dad now because I've adopted them. Jesus says he's adopted us. Okay, we don't have a lot of time left. I got to stop. I, I, uh... I'm going way off. Look, think about it. The crucifixion was the most horrible thing on earth, yet the greatest thing came out of it, salvation. And we have Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. You know what's really interesting? If you look at the genealogy, sometimes people say, why is that even in there? This guy begat that guy, that guy begat that guy, this guy. The genealogy of Jesus, and you see all these people. You see from Joseph's side, from Mary's side. But in there, it's really interesting. There's four women in the genealogy of Jesus Tamar or Tamar. And she was the daughter of King David who was raped by her half brother. And then David didn't do anything about it. So he had a mess on his hands. It was a mess. But you have a young lady that was raped. You have Rahab. She was a prostitute. You have Ruth. She wasn't even a Jew. How'd she work her way in there? (laughs) Then you have Bathsheba. She was an adulteress. So it's showing us that people like you and me are in the genealogy. Messed up people. Would you agree that at one time in your life you've been messed up? Some of you... Say, I've never been messed up. That's where you messed up. You just admitted that you've never been messed up and you (laughs) ask your neighbor, do you think I messed up? Don't answer them. Just say, but hear me. We have to understand we mess people up sometimes. Jacob or Israel had 12 sons. That's where you get the 12 tribes of Israel. His name was Jacob and God changed that to Israel, but Jacob was spoiled by his mother. He was the twin brother of Esau, but the mother liked him more. So next thing you have is the favorite. And she was real bold and loud about it. This is my favorite. So now Jacob has a favorite. He's got 12 sons, but Joseph is his favorite. And he wasn't afraid to show it. Hey, my favorite son, I got you a brand new coat of many colors, of prestige and Anyway, the brothers ended up hating him. They beat him up, threw him in a well. Finally, sold him to slavery. Then he was falsely accused of, of of rape, which he never did. He was thrown in jail. Then he interpreted dreams, and 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 the baker says, "I'm going to bring you out." And they they finally remembered him. And, and anyway, he's raised up to the second highest power in all of Egypt. He's right to the right hand of the pharaoh. And there was a huge famine going on, and his brothers had to come. Don't you understand that your parents, partners, peers, professionals, friends are going to be the people that hurt you? That's going to be those people that are in your life. And his brothers are having to go to him and ask him for food, but they don't know it's him. And and then they finally discover, and they go, oh, my gosh, he's going to kill us. And he says this in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And these are the words of Joseph. He goes, you intended to harm me but god that's one of the greatest phrases in the bible when it says but god you and i were destined to hell but god you and i were all messed up but god our lives were falling apart but god we didn't know which way to go but god god does great things but god intended it for good man i'm telling you church He turns the bad into good. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's why we're going to be going into the prisons. They're not throwaway people. They're going to be your next door neighbor. And then what are you going to do? Oh my gosh, a felon moved in next door. You probably have a felon next door and don't even know it. But help transform their lives so they come be a positive influence in your community. Okay, and now back to my notes. (laughs) But hear me. The fourth thing we need to do, if we're going to share things, is not just how pain got our attention and not just what we learned through our experience and that God could turn bad into good, but we need to share how Jesus gives hope to change us. He gives us hope. Aren't you glad you and I have hope? Aren't you glad we have the hope of glory? Aren't you glad we have Jesus Christ? Let me tell you something. Every one of us is going to come across broken people, whether it's at home, at work, at school, the marketplace, wherever it might be. Because people have hidden pains. They have hidden hurts, habits, and hangups. And I'm telling you, God can set you free. So you need to share your experience. You might say, hey, I really don't know how to minister. I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to, you know how to talk. I see you all the time. So just tell them your story. I once was lost, but now I'm fine. I once was blind. Now I see. I once was all messed up. Now I'm not. I didn't know where I was going in life. And now I have direction and purpose. And God has been good to me. So you know what? If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, that's what it's all about. It starts there. It's not the finish. It's the beginning. So if you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that, raise your hand and say, you know what, Pastor? I'm so glad. Amen, amen, amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Who else wants to give their life to Jesus? I don't want to leave anyone out because you know what? This is the greatest moment of your life. You're, you're being born again. You're coming to life to a whole new chance of living. So those that raised your hand, stand up real quick because we're going to pray with you. We're going to pray with you and for you. So anyone else? Anyone else? Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Yeah. Yes. 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 Praise God. So let's say this prayer. Would all of you, you those are standing, but everyone one of you say this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father. Today I realize that I need a Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want a new beginning, a new start. The oldest passed away. Everything's made new, as I accept Christ in Jesus' name, Amen. If you prayed, come up here real quick. Like I just, I want to give you a high five. Please make your way up. Those of you that stood up, come here real quick. I just want to celebrate with you, man. This is an exciting day, exciting day. Look right over here. This is Pastor Eddie, the guy with the white beard. He's, yeah, he's got some stuff that he's going to give you, a Bible and some things. Oh my gosh, Mika. this is an exciting day. Praise God. What an exciting day. Look, go right through there. How, how exciting, sis. Go right through there. Pastor Eddie's got some stuff for you. Is there anyone else? I don't want to leave anyone else. Look, we, we, we can't leave here without prayer. God has just done a work. He's challenged us. Let me ask you something. Who are you going to tell? Who are you going to go and tell? You've been thinking about people saying, man, I need to get this message to someone. Get it to them. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, "It said, You must worship Christ, our Lord, of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope, be ready to share it. Who are you going to tell? Stand to your feet. We just want to pray. But man, we're going to, this is a powerful song. It's a prayer song. It's a prayer song. We just sang it, but sing it out to God. There's prayer people. Those prayer altar workers come up here so they can pray with you. Whatever your need is, say, hey, pray this for me. Pray because I'm going to go, I'm I'm going to go launch out. I'm going to go tell somebody. I don't know how to do it yet, but I'm going to tell them. I, I'm gonna go and I'm I'm gonna step out by faith. I'm I'm nervous. Some of you need prayer. Some of you are having surgery. Some of you just lost a loved one and, and one of you, your your sister just took her own life and took her husband's life. And there's we need prayer. Just sing out to God. Say thank you. Yes, you do, Lord.
0: All my days. Come on. Doesn't make sense how your love is so good. A friend thought I was too far gone, and I know
7: you're never gonna let me. Oh,
4: sing it out, church. Let it be your prayer. I don't know what you're going through, but right now, surrender it. Say, this is where I'm at, God. This is what I'm going through. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for how you've transformed me. Sing it out. Sing it out.
6: Thank you, Lord.
0: stirred your heart today let's talk about how we can take, help you take that next step in baptism and go public with your faith, amen but church if, your Lord, if the Lord is working in your life that way I invite you to stick around for baptism Sunday church we love you uh, we encourage you to do that and also stop by the counterculture counter and ask us about summer camp and how you can sow into this into the life of our young people church we love you You're dismissed in his name. We hope to see you here on Wednesday. Thank you, Jesus.